Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Some of your kids are going to strike out, experience strikeouts in life. All of them will. And they're also going to experience home runs in life. And what they need to hear from the most important people in their life is, I love you and I believe in you. We've got a big dose of encouragement for you as a mom or a dad on today's program with Focus on the Family President Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Well, I think it's safe to say that we all want to be the best mom or dad we can be, and today we have a great message to share on intentional parenting from Doug Fields. After spending 30 years as a youth pastor in Southern California, Doug really knows kids, especially teenagers, and today and next time we're going to hear some excellent parenting strategies that I know you'll want to embrace. Fortunately, Doug shares that wisdom with a great sense of humor and energy, and he's really fun to listen to. It's true, John, and Doug Fields is a teaching pastor at Mariner's Church in Irvine, California, and that's where this message was recorded about a year before he joined their teaching team. Here now is Doug Fields on Focus on the Family. Always, always so fun to be here. I was here a couple weeks ago when we kicked off the relationship series. To have me two times in one month just shows that Mariner's de- is desperate right now. So, um, but I'm thrilled, thrilled to be here. Hey, raise your hand if you're a parent. Okay. Yeah, most parents that I've talked to would say that this whole idea of parenting is, is difficult. And every parent has a degree of regret. If you're a single parent, you've taken the word difficult and replaced it with impossible. And if you are a single parent, you are one of my heroes in life. Honestly, I don't know how you're doing it. The only people in here that are happy as parents are called empty nesters, okay? And I know, you see them. They smile, they clap, they're very, they tithe more. It's really incredible, all right? And, And the really angry people are people called boomerang parents. And boomerang parents are parents who thought they were empty nesters, But their kids came back to live with them. So regardless of where you are in your journey, raise your hand if you're not a parent at all. Let me see. Yeah, and some of you will be, and some of you won't, because you don't like kids. You don't want to be around them. You don't want to think about them. You're already on your phone Googling other other sermons to listen to. You know, I, I get it. You're actually the people that I like to sit next to in restaurants when when my kids were little. Okay? Because your looks of condemnation are priceless. The rolling of the eyes, like I would, if I was a parent, I would never allow my child to do that, you know. I love sitting next to you. As a matter of fact, one, one time when my kids were little, the Fields family of five walked into a restaurant, and the lady asked to be moved to another booth. And so I asked if we could be moved next to her. Because that's what pastors do. They help you grow, all right? So... Here's the deal. We're in part five of this series called The Art of Relationships, and we're picking up today, we're talking about the parent-child relationship, but if you're not a parent, it still applies to you, because unless you are a hermit, your life is going to intersect with kids. You're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're a grandparent, you're a coach, you're a teacher, you're a mentor, you're a neighbor, you're a human that's going to intersect with with young people, and this is important for you. Now, I just need to say, I'm not an expert at raising kids. I used to be. (laughs) And then we had kids, okay? And then when they became teenagers, I actually became the dumbest human on the planet, all right? 
And honestly, I wish Kathy, my wife, was the one that was teaching today because she's the real expert. But she would actually rather die than stand on this stage and speak. But I tell people if, if parenting were high school, she'd have been the valedictorian. And I've been the guy in the cafeteria trying to burp the alphabet, okay? That's the difference. So everything I'm teaching you, I've stolen it, okay? I've stolen it from the Bible and from heavy observation of of my wife. So to win in relationships, let's start here. To win in your parent-child relationship or caring adult to child relationship, you have to have what I call strong belief, all right? And strong belief... Is this is where it starts. And this is not you believing in your kids. Oh, sweetheart, you're the, you're the best singer in the world. You have a great voice. Yeah, that's great. Believe in your kids. But what I'm talking about here is the strong belief in your role as a parent. Parents, if you don't believe that you have the single strongest influence in the life of your child, you have, you have trouble coming your way. And by the way, it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, I talked to some people last night in the patio afterwards, and they were like, well, this is too late for me. My kids are in their 20s and 30s. It's never too late. Please hear that. I have friends who are in their 40s and 50s, and you know what they grieve? They grieve that they're not getting anything from their parents. Our kids want us to be their heroes. They really do. They won't tell you that, okay? But they'll tell me that. I find it in, in research. I... Saw it in Instagram this week. I love this. Look at this little kid writes a letter. Dear mom, thank you so much for being my mom. If I had a different mom, I would punch her in the face and go find you. <laughs> love, Brooke. Don't you love that? <laughs> Parents, kids want you to be their hero. And caring for kids, this is actually a big deal to God. Look, let's look at the scriptures. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus took a little child with him, took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking the child in his arms, Jesus said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So what Jesus is saying is that when you welcome a child, you welcome him. I mean, this is a big deal. This is a high calling. This puts parenting in a whole new stratosphere. Some of you parents, you may need to understand, maybe one of the most spiritual things you can do is to invest in your kids and to be a parent. It's your life purpose. It's part of your, your, your destiny. So if you are a parent, here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your right hand and repeat after me. Let's do it. Ready? I'm a big deal. Yes, you are. Okay. Now, start acting like you're a big deal. And again, to those of you who are older, you're a big deal to your kids still. The day both of my parents died, I wanted more from them as a grown man. And so when you are a big deal and you have this strong belief, what some of us in here need to do is we need to begin to put the value of parenting above the value of our paycheck, So when people ask you what you do, don't refer to your career. So when people say, oh, I'm on a plane or whatever, and people go, so what do you do? I go, that's easy. I'm in in charge of socializing three homo sapiens and the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might become instruments in the social transformation of the social order that God prescribed. 
And then I say, and what do you do? I'm just a lawyer, okay? So once you, once you have this strong belief, okay? You got the strong belief, that's part one. And then what you've got to do is you've got to add it to the reality that kids today are growing up in a different world. It is not the same world that you and I grew up in. How many of you would agree with that? It's a different world today, absolutely. You know, when grandma said log on, she was cold, right? And so, you know, it's a whole different world. So the world has changed, but kids in and of themselves have not changed that much. Look at this quote. Youth today love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and they talk nonsense when they should be working. Sounds like today, right? You know who the author of this quote is? Socrates. 500 years before Christ. Meaning kids have been driving adults crazy for thousands of years, all right? There is nothing new. Kids today are still asking the same fundamental questions that, that you asked. Who am I? Does anyone really like me? And can I get an allowance for not doing anything? Okay, you know, these are the, the common questions that kids are asking relating to identity and meaning and purpose. And here's what I want you to see. So important, we put it on the screen. The best way to understand kids is not to learn how different kids are today, but for you to have a good memory. See, if you can actually remember what you felt like when you were in third grade or going into college or graduate, you remember the feelings related to that. You're actually in a parent and grandparent and coach and mentor and teach in different ways. Because if you just take, if you're just cursing the culture that kids are living in now, like it's their fault that they're living in this culture, you're always going to be mad. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Lauren listened to Focus on the Family programs as a child. Now, as an adult, she wants to help strengthen and support today's families. I enjoy being able to give money to an organization that can do with it what I could never do on my own. I can't possibly reach millions of people or thousands of people. I'm Jim Daly. You too can be a monthly giver. Donate today at focusonthefamily.com joy. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com radio. Welcome back to Focus on the Family. Let's return now to the presentation from Doug Fields. So, you know, parents are always getting hung up about appearance. And, you know, I don't like the way that she dresses or what he does with his hair. And, you know, all these types of things. But just remember how important appearance was to you. Okay, appearance mattered to me. Does anybody remember the 70s when maroon was really popular? Okay, yeah. Yeah, appearance mattered to me which was difficult for the home that I grew up in. And I've told you this, this story before. The home that I grew up in, uh, my, my dad was an accountant, and my mom was a seamstress. 
And so when it came to clothing, my accountant dad would say, we can't afford it. And my seamstress mom would say what? I will make it for you. That just describes the home that I grew up in. So as every kid has fashionable clothes, my dad says no, and my mom says, that's okay, I'll make it. Does anybody remember OP shorts? Okay, you were a cool kid if you had OP shorts. If, if you don't know what OP, OP is for Ocean Pacific. It was the brand of the 70s and the early 80s. Here's a, here's a pair of OP shorts, okay? Every cool kid had OP shorts, but they were $28, which would be about $75 in today's money. And my dad said, there's no way we're paying that. And my mom said, we'll make them. And my mom made me a pair of shorts that looked exactly like OP from a distance. <laughs> Until you got up close, there was no what? Exactly, there's no, which is the whole point of a label, right? And I'm like, mom, I'm never going to wear these shorts. They don't have OP on them, so I just kind of threw them back. I was a jerk. And she took them, and the next morning, they're laying on my bed, and embroidered on the pocket was not OP, because my mom was afraid of the infringement police coming to our house, okay? She had embroidered capital D-P, okay? So from a distance, it looked like OP. Up close, it was clearly a D. I'm like, Mom, that's DP. She goes, I know. Doug's pants. <laughs> but for me, when my kids were going through that age where the shoes and the pants and the rips in the jeans and just a little bit of, of belly, and when my son went through the, you know, boxers up here and the <laughs> saggy pants down there, he's not doing that because it's comfortable, okay? <laughs> No, it's because it's appearance. I actually tried sagging for a while, and my wife was like, you're scaring people. Don't, don't do that, okay? So as parents, grandparents, teachers, we got to understand the feelings related with today's kids. And we have to stop saying, when I was your because you were never their age, okay? Really, it's like, it's like comparing Little League Baseball to Major League Baseball. Kind of a, this game's played the same. There's, you know, innings and outs and nine players and steroids, you know, and all that stuff. But when you compare the two, it's a different context, which makes it a different game. So I like to say it like this. We were never their age in this age. And so parents, when you get that and you get your arms around that, it keeps you from cursing the culture and being negative and always being on kids. Because what kids need today is they need caring adults who are positive and hope-filled. And so it's not the same world you grew up in and it needs something different. So what is an intentional parent? Well, an intentional parent, I think, has to begin with the end in mind. In Psalms 90, it says this, Teach us to number our days. Why? so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We need to be wise as parents. We need to beg for wisdom. And the scriptures say, if you want to be wise, number your days. Why would you number your days? Because when you number your days, you realize how fast they go, right? 6,552 days is what you have from the time a child is born until he or she graduates high school. 
936 weeks. And when you number your days, it matters. It gives you a perspective of wisdom. So when we have friends who, they have a new baby, we give them a gift. We give them a jar filled with 936 marbles. And we tell them the story. You have 936 weeks until you are setting them off for independence. And during those 936 weeks, every week, pick a day, Sunday night, I don't care, pull a marble out. And you look at that marble, you think of that week of parenting, you reflect on that week and the gift that God has given you. Because that 936 is going to shrink very, very fast. And you're going to lose your marbles anyway, okay? (laughs) So you might as well just acknowledge the process. Now, some of you might be thinking, you're already doing the numbers in your head of how many weeks you have left, and you go, that is depressing. I mean, what a depressing gift. Now, parents, what's depressing is when we waste the time that God has given us, and we're not intentional. So if you don't have an end game plan, what's your hope for your kid when he moves out of the house? And begin to develop that. Kathy and I were youth pastors here on this campus in the 80s, 81 and 92. Prior to us having kids, we watched your kids, some of yours, were here. You, they grew up in our youth group. And we watched amazing kids, we watched troubled kids, we learned from families. And working with your kids was our primary form of birth control. And so what, <laughs> what we did is we watched kids and families and we just took notes and we came up with, a, with an end game. So that when we did have kids, and I'm not, I I just want to give you an example. You don't need to, I mean, if you need to steal it, please steal it. But here was our end game. We called them the five C's. And here's what we wanted our kids when they they graduated. We wanted them to have a sense of confidence. Not arrogance, but a healthy view of themselves. We wanted them to have character. Everybody wants their kids to have character. This is a moral compass on which they make decisions. We wanted them to have convictions. This is what they believe. Because if they don't have beliefs, especially like in a biblical worldview, then their character folds up when there's, they're under pressure. We wanted them to have compassion. Growing up in this area, we wanted them to see that there were needs outside of Orange County, and they could meet those needs through acts of service. And we wanted them finally to be competent, meaning that they would be difference makers in this world and not just take up space and be excess baggage. And by the way, we stole those. From 1 Timothy. If you want to read 1 Timothy, Paul instructs young Timothy to develop in these areas as well. But these five C's became our end game, and they became the object of our prayer and our target. And so what Kathy and I then did, once we had our end game, we said, well, how can we enhance the odds that that will actually happen? We can't guarantee it. There's no parenting magic formula, silver bullet. But how do we enhance the odds? And we came up with 10 actions that we would try to do and get others around our kids to try to do to help us move in that. And I want to share with you some of these. I can't get to all of them, but I want to get to some of them that I know that you can do right away, regardless of how old your kids are. The first is this. What all kids need is they need your encouraging words. If your child is still breathing... He or she needs encouragement. Encouragement is, is food for our soul. And most kids are starving to hear encouraging words from the most significant people in their life. Why? Because words are powerful. And you remember positive words and you remember negative words. Some of you in here are old, okay? Older than me. And you still have words locked in your memory bank that were said to you that were negative and positive, and they've stuck. Why? 
Because as the scriptures tell us in Proverbs 12, it says this, thoughtless words cut like a thrusting sword, but the speech of the wise is a healing balm. Now, whoever made up the fable, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will, was an idiot, okay? Because words do hurt. I'd rather be hit with a stick, okay? Because words actually stick. And misguided words, they, they leave emotional scars. Adults, your words in the life of a child are so important. They're actually life-altering. Um, a word can shape a child's life. We've seen this in the negative way. All of you have seen this. When we introduce our child and we add a modifier to it. This is my daughter Jill. She's shy. As Jill cowers behind mom's legs because she's heard that descriptive term a million times. She's becoming the product of those words. So here's what your words can do. They can either build confidence or they can destroy hope. And you just have to decide what kind of person you want to be. Because your words will build confidence or destroy hope. Proverbs 12 verse 6 says this, The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. Your words are life-giving. And I'm just curious, raise your hand if you, you would say, I like to be around people who like me rather than people who don't like me. Who's with me on that? Just curious. Yeah. So what's happening, if you're constantly on their case, you're conditioning them to want to avoid you. Because the truth is, your kids are smart and they want to be around people that they sense really like them and reveal it with their words. Well, what do I do when my kids do things wrong? I get it. Kids are going to fail and they're going to fail a lot. Okay? And so we don't want to shame them with our words. And we don't want to be encouraging, you know, way to go for failing in that area. So we've got to figure out how do we use words that are not based on our child's performance so we don't, we don't grow up all these approval addicts. How do we speak pure words of encouragement? So when you go to your child's baseball game and they strike out or they hit a home run, what do you say? I love watching you play. I love watching you play. It doesn't matter if they struck out or they hit a home run. I love watching you play. I love seeing you run. I love seeing you with your friends. I love that. Because isn't that life? Some of your kids are going to strike out, experience strikeouts in life. All of them will. And they're also going to experience home runs in life. And what they need to hear from the most important people in their life is, I love you and I believe in you. Okay? All kids need those encouraging words. And we're going to pause right there on this great presentation from Pastor Doug Fields, which was uh, delivered at Mariner's Church in Irvine, California. And you'll hear the conclusion of his message next time on Focus on the Family. Wow, John, I mean, I really appreciate this message from Doug and how he emphasizes the importance of building a great relationship with your son or daughter. That inspires me as a dad. And I especially liked his point earlier in the message that we just have no way of knowing what it's like to be a young person in this digital age. And we might be able to remember what it was like to be a boy or a girl in middle school, for instance, but back then uh, we didn't have 24-7 access to all sorts of media influences, which can drastically influence a child's self-esteem, their worldview, and so on. So rather than uh, curse the darkness, we'd encourage you to help your kids find the light. 
And one way to do that is to visit our website to learn more about the media and culture department called Plugged In. Our team will give you the information you need to make wise choices in movies, music, television, video games, and YouTube channels. Yeah, they do a terrific job. And there's a weekly Plugged In podcast as well. And we've got all the details at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast. It's definitely a different world than uh, the one we grew up in. And as parents, I think we need all the help we can get. You know, our research shows that almost half a million parents credit Focus on the Family with helping them build stronger, healthier, God-honoring families in the past year. Here's an example from Monica. My husband and I have been married about five and a half years, and we just had our third baby. He's three weeks old. I called because I wanted to thank you for instilling in my husband and I a real confidence about our ability to be godly parents to to our children and before we had children to know how to navigate the early years of marriage. Um, so we wouldn't have the understanding, I don't think, of how to apply scripture without the practical advice we get every day. And uh, thank you so much. We look forward to more learning opportunities over the next many, many years of our marriage, Lord willing. Wow. Three children. And Monica feels that focus on the family gave her and her husband the confidence to be godly parents, and that is uh, quite a compliment. It really is, John. And we'd like to help more families like Monica's. So please, make a generous donation today if you can. We are listener-supported, so we need to hear from you. And when you make a donation of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Doug Field's book, co-authored with his wife, Kathy, called Intentional Parenting. If you like today's program... You'll love the book. It's a great resource, and you can get your copy of Intentional Parenting at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast, or call us, 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family, 800-232-6459. And when you get the book from us, we'll include a free audio download of Doug's entire presentation. By the way, when you're online with us, look for our free parenting assessment, Uh, We've got a quick quiz for you. You'll discover what you're doing well as a parent and maybe an area or two that could use some improvement. Uh, It's a great starting point and a great discussion starter. And if you enjoyed today's program, please tell a friend to tune in next time as Doug Fields continues sharing what every child needs, including some serious fun. So why does serious fun make this list because kids are stressed out and when they experience a degree of fun and laughter what it does is it releases their anxieties it diminishes their fears and it lessens their hostility and their anger they have to have some fun release in their life on behalf of jim daly and the entire team thanks for joining us today for focus on the family i'm john fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in christ listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. My favorite thing about Brio is that you can actually absorb stuff from it and learn. Reaching teen girls right where they're at with encouragement to grow in their faith. The stories in the Brio magazine about other people that have gone through things way worse than I have is really inspiring and uplifting. Help your teen invite God into her everyday experience with Brio Magazine. 
Learn more at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Brio Radio. My children don't need me to be the perfect dad. Here's what they need. They need me to follow Jesus. They need me to love their mom deeply. And they need me to be crazy about them and want to spend time with them. That is quite a recipe for a healthy family, don't you think? We'll hear more today with Focus on the Family President, Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Well, today we're continuing a message from Pastor Doug Fields, and he is giving us great parenting advice based on his experience as a father of three and also as a youth pastor working with teens and tweens for over 30 years. And if you missed part one, please get in touch with us. We can send you the entire message on CD, and also you can uh, download the the app for your smartphone, Mm -hmm. the Focus on the Family broadcast app, another great way to listen. Uh, You can get Doug's book, Intentional Parenting, co-authored with his wife, Kathy, and we'll include all of the free audio content of the entire presentation. And we have additional resources for you. Just stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or call. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. And Doug is working through a list of six things all children need. Last time we heard the first one, encouraging words. Yeah, we all need encouragement on a regular basis. And here now with the rest of that list is Pastor Doug Fields speaking at Mariner's Church in Irvine, California, where he's on the teaching team on today's episode of Focus on the Family. They also need what I call genuine affection. Genuine affection. From the moment we're born... Social scientists tell us that we have something called skin hunger, meaning we need touch, we need affection. And that affection must be fed in appropriate ways or else we're going to seek it out in inappropriate ways. Ladies, you're much better at this with children than men are, especially when it comes to affection. Kids know that moms are more affectionate. That's why never in the recorded history of humanity has a child been heard in the front yard, run into the house, and yelled, Dad. Okay? Why don't kids yell for Dad when they need affection? Because dads don't care. Right? Okay? I mean, my dad, I'd be running in crying, he'd be like, shake it off. Like, Dad, the bone is sticking out of my skin. I can't. Rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. You're blocking the TV. Go get me some ice cream. You know, dads, we got we to gotta figure this one out. Because if you're not affectionate to your child, what unaffectionate fathers can produce is boys who don't know how to express themselves emotionally and girls who may express themselves sexually. You look at promiscuous teens. Oftentimes, promiscuous teens points back to an unaffectionate father or a father who's there, but just the affection lights aren't on. Affection is one of the things that emotionally healthy kids have in common. They've been given proper affection, and they've been given a lot of it. And I know some of you are going like, well, you don't know my, you know, my kid is in that junior high stage where they don't even want to be around. That's when you pour it on. Okay, even when they don't hug back, you be the parent, you pour it on. When you you sit next to them, throw your leg over them when you're watching TV, put your arm around them. Okay, if you can't do that, trip and fall on them just so they get some affection. And here's the deal. Hey, start somewhere. Don't feel guilty about what you're not doing. Start somewhere regardless of the age of your children. An intentional parent is also someone who figures out how to provide serious fun. 
And some of you don't like this because you, how does this make your top 10 list? Really? That of all the things that parents need to have kids experience, serious fun makes the top 10 list? Yes, and here's why. Because today's generation of kids are totally stressed out. They're totally, totally stressed out. Why? Well, one, because we live in a, a faster culture. And two is because they're, for many of them, their parents are driven, especially in this area. Their parents are driven, and parents put a lot of pressure on them to perform and succeed and be quote-unquote successful kids because successful kids makes insecure parents feel better about themselves. And by the way, shooting straight to some of you that are doing this, maybe you don't even know you're doing it, you need to get counseling before your kids have to get counseling that you should have got. Okay? That if you are parenting in order to make yourself look good, friends, that is so damaging to your child. They can't live up to those expectations when it's all about you. So deal with those issues. So why does serious fun make this list? Because kids are stressed out. And when they experience a degree of fun and laughter, what it does is it releases their anxieties. It diminishes their fears. And it lessens their hostility and their anger. They have to have some fun release in their life. The scriptures say it like this in Proverbs 17. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. I happen to believe that those of us who are followers of Jesus, I think we're the ones who need to be leading the way and leaking fun. Because we've been given life. We've been given eternal life. We've been given the presence and the power of Jesus. We ought to be the ones leaking fun. But somewhere in this Christian bubble, we've come to believe that as Christians, the more serious you are, the more spiritually mature you are. Okay? That's not true. The more serious you are, is the more boring you are. All right? How many of you know some boring Christians? Yeah, absolutely. All right? See, the, the opposite of funny is not serious. The opposite of funny is unfunny. Okay? And I, you know, I prove that a lot. Uh, because I use humor when I teach, and let me tell you why. I've never told you this before, but here's why I use humor when I teach. Because it's effective. And while you're laughing, <laughs> I'm jamming truth down your throat <laughs> hard. And it doesn't feel like, <laughs> I just got told I was an idiot. This is great, you know? That's why I use it, because it's effective. Not because I'm funny, all right? So when, when people meet me, and some of you have done this in airports or wherever around the community, you're like, oh. I mean, first thing people say, you're taller in person, which I don't know what, for some reason, the stage doesn't communicate that I'm 6'8". Uh, <laughs> And here's what, they, here's what they either say or because they've said this to me or they're thinking or they've told other people. He's not really funny in person. <laughs> and people have actually said, oh, I thought you'd be funnier. And I don't know. I mean, I just it's my day off. Okay. <laughs> and depending on what mood I'm in, sometimes I say, well, it's funny. I've seen you in the audience and up close, I thought you'd be better looking. So <laughs> yeah, don't say that think it, but I don't say anything. So here's what I'm saying. I'm just like you. I had to figure out as a dad 
How can I infuse fun into our family so that my kids would laugh and have fun and giggle and play and be adventurous? So the question is, what are you doing so that they can have some fun in their family? Grandparents, what are you doing when they come to your house so there's some fun? And this might seem like a shallow idea, but I encourage you to give it some serious consideration because it can redirect the course of a child's life. An intentional parent also provides what we call delicate discipline. We live in a culture today where a lot of kids aren't experiencing discipline, and our feeling is that you can't really love your kids if they don't experience discipline. But the key word, delicate. Here's how I would describe biblical discipline. Okay, biblical discipline is guidance with love, not punishment in anger. And if you want a text for that, read Hebrews chapter 12 on your own, and you'll see that's what biblical discipline is. It's guidance with love, not punishment and anger. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says this, for my children, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. And if you were to study this text, you'd see that discipline is an act of love. So when I see kids that are out of control, lack of discipline, I don't think, what an awful kid. You know what I think? Probably the same as you. What? Where's the parent? I mean, where's, where's the love? Where, where, is, this, is this person totally absent? And then when it comes to discipline, the word delicate, it, we put the word delicate in there because bodies are fragile, but spirits are even more fragile. To be delicate with this. Again, in Ephesians 6, it says this. Now, a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. What is loving discipline? Loving discipline is not discipline and anger. Let me say it again. Loving discipline is not discipline and anger. I live in the real world. I'm not saying you'll never get angry. That would be insane for me to say that. Yes, you will get angry. But there's a difference between being angry and discipline in anger. Okay, you don't have to discipline in anger. The type of discipline that, that I see isn't discipline as an act of love. It's discipline for the sake of compliance. Big difference. An act of love, the sake of compliance. Compliance is a quick fix. Compliance is a scream, a yell, a slap, a scare, a shame, something, something like that. Yelling is quick fix. And those of you who yell, you obviously can tell I'm an advocate for children. Those of you who are yelling, it doesn't work. It's quick fix parenting, but it's not good long-term healthy. It doesn't work. You've got to figure out another way that doesn't shame and intimidate and threaten your, and wound your kids. Research reveals that yelling doesn't work. It just it increases humiliation and violence and embarrassment, and it actually creates more angry kids. Because kids don't hear what you're yelling at them anyway. They hear your spirit. And when kids see you lose control, they actually lose respect. So please, stop yelling. It's not working. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. 
I'm here asking people what happens when you turn 70 and a half. You get free ice cream for life? Uh, you get more senior discounts? When you turn 70 and a half, you are eligible for an IRA charitable rollover, and you can give that to Focus on the Family. You can find out more at focusplannedgiving.com. Reduce your taxable income and help families thrive for generations to come. It's a gift that appreciates, and we appreciate you for giving it. Welcome back to Focus on the Family. Let's go ahead and return now to the presentation from Doug Fields. But let me give you a little tip. You don't have to discipline right in that moment. You're not a cop. Okay? You're a parent. You don't have to give out a ticket immediately. I learned this lesson from my dad. So when I was growing up, my dad, when he would get mad at me, he would call me three things. Douglas Montgomery Fields yelling at them, and then he would say, go get me something to hit you with. Yeah. And so what I realized, I wasn't a bright kid, but I figured this out. The longer I took, the easier it would go on me, because I gave him time to cool off. And so when I would return three days later, okay, <laughs> with a large pillow, you know, things just went better. So parents, you got to figure out what does it look like for you to put yourself in a timeout to cool down before you provide discipline. And I, Kathy and I, what we write about and what we talk about is the discipline we call discipline by choice. And here's the definition of discipline by choice. It's a fair consequence that's clearly communicated ahead of time that is connected to the offense. Now, you have to figure out what this means age appropriate for you, but when you connect actions to consequences, what it does is it teaches children that they have a choice. And actually, they need to experience consequences in order to be healthy. Consequences, as odd as this sounds, it builds self-esteem. Because it gives kids power that they realize that, oh, my actions actually have a consequence, and I had the power of choice in that. So that when they get a little bit older and they can reason with it, they go, ultimately, they chose the consequence. Now, as a parent, you have to enforce it, okay? Which is difficult to do. And when you enforce it, let me just tell you from my own experience of three kids, they won't thank you for it. <laughs> my kids never said, oh, what a loving, wise dad you are. I accept the consequence because I knew it ahead of time, and ultimately my behavior chose this consequence, so it's really my fault. And thank you for having wisdom, and you should write a book someday called Intentional Parent. They never said that, okay? They're still mad and angry and think you're foolish, but it saves you from screaming and shaming. They chose it. And by the way, responsibility is not genetic. It's not. You're not born with a sense of responsibility. You have to learn responsibility. So for those of you parents with little kids, they're never going to learn to be responsible if you never get to three. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those of you that play the counting game, don't let me get to three. One, <laughs> two, two. You, uh, okay, because here's what's going to happen. If I get to three, a cyclone of fury is going to come out, and you are you, uh, one, one point one, one, you know, and you begin inventing fractions. Parents, get to three. Okay, get to three. 
and let them experience a consequence because that's how they become responsible. But in this area, we've got all these helicopter parents who are hovering around that don't want our kids to experience anything. When, you're, when your school calls and says, um, Betty forgot her lunch. Okay, I picked on dads. Let me pick on moms because moms, you're more likely to do this. Uh, oh, she forgot. Okay, okay, great, great. I'll, I'll just, I'll run it right over to the school. Okay, I'll be there. I'll be there in a few minutes. Okay. Because moms, and I know you're loving, you're caring, you're nurturing, but if she doesn't have her lunch, she will what? Starve, right? She will starve to death. I know, I know she will, right? And so you've got to get there fast with that lunch. Now, let me just let you know, I've done a lot of research on death by starvation, okay? <laughs> And it takes 65 days to die from starvation. Now, if she skips her lunch, she might go a little hungry, but she'll come home and realize, oh, this was my responsibility, wasn't it? And you're helping shape her to be a responsible human. Does all this make sense? Are you dragging with me? Okay, good, because you're getting a little quiet on me. I'm feeling sad. Uh, But Hey, we all have regrets. Every parent has regret. There's no such thing as regret-free parenting. But start now. Start now with something. And here's what I want you to hear more than anything else. To be a caring adult in the life of a child, here's what you have to do. You've got to get the right relationships right. Okay, if you forget everything I've said, remember this. To get the right relationships right. See, maybe the most loving thing you can do for your kid is to get your relationship right with Jesus. That may be the most loving thing you can do as a parent is to follow Jesus. Because for me, the closer I get to Jesus, the more I experience that love from him, the more I'm able to be loving to them. Because on my own, I don't have it. On my own power, I don't have the depth or reservoir of wisdom, of grace, of forgiveness, of patience. But when you make Jesus the center of your life, here's what happens. When you follow Jesus, he promises his presence. And when you have his presence, he promises his power. And then he also makes another promise, that you will become a person of peace. Kids today need to grow up in a peace-filled home. And there can't be a peace-filled home if there's not a peace-filled parent. Because kids are in combat all day long. They're battling pressures, they're battling bullies, they're battling comparison, body image, all this stuff. But if a kid knows that soon he's going to go to his home, and that home is a peace-filled home... He can better temper the pressures and the temptation that he or she is going through throughout the day because pretty soon they're going to be home. And home is safe and peaceful. Your kids, they don't need a perfect parent. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. Even the illusion that some of you are trying to create of being the perfect parent, it creates intimidation and uh, insecurity in kids. My children don't need me to be the perfect dad. Here's what they need. They need me to follow Jesus. They need me to love their mom deeply. And they need me to be crazy about them and want to spend time with them. 
Because in the child's life, time and presence is the equity in which they understand. They need that time and presence from adults. And those of you who are single parents, I know, I know you don't have the time. Um, you're working, I've talked to a lot of single parents, and as I said, you're my heroes, and I really believe in God's sovereignty in the way that I think God will reward you for your hard work as a single parent to keep your family alive, and there will be a time when your kids will call you blessed. But what kids don't appreciate is those of us who are not working just to survive, we're overworking to drive a nicer car, to live in a better house, and to stroke our own ego. What kids want is your, your presence. And all of this starts when I get my, my act together with Jesus. And then part of getting the right relationships right, there's another part of parenting, and it's this. It's getting other people around your kids in addition to yourself. That is huge. That's why good coaches are so important, teachers and mentors and, and youth workers and small group leaders, because all studies reveal that healthy kids, listen to this, regardless of where they come from, Cambodian refugee camps, housing projects in New York City, or upper middle class Orange County. All these kids, what they have in common, if they're healthy kids, in addition to parents, there were other people involved in their lives who were significant. That's why being a part of a faith community like this is so important. Why should you care about kids? Because Jesus said, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Jesus, may we be different because we were here. I pray that you would relieve the guilt that we feel of the mistakes that we've made in parenting and replace it with the wisdom of how we can better love and direct our lives to be encouraging, to give affection, to care deeply about the kids that you've entrusted to our lives, whether we're parents or grandparents, coaches, teachers, neighbors, friends, aunts, uncles. Give us a vision of what it looks like to impact the next generation. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Doug Fields has been our guest for the past two episodes of Focus on the Family, speaking at Mariner's Church in Southern California. And uh, Jim, I so appreciate uh, what he had to say and how he delivered that message, especially the reminder that it's never too late to have a positive influence on our kids. Yeah, me too, John. Of course, we try to do a lot of the things Doug mentioned, like having fun together as a family, but it's always great to get a little tune-up as a parent and find some new ideas to try. Yeah, and you mentioned family fun. We used to go camping together a lot. i got to say, it's been (laughs) hard with... Uh, different ages and our kids uh, being so active right now. But we need to be together to get away from those everyday stresses and really just reconnect as a family. Yeah, and I love those uh, camping days with the boys and Gene because it's just so kickback and we can do a little fishing and do a lot of talking on those trips. There's no distractions and no pressure, really. Yeah, the only pressure I ever felt, Jim, was uh, one of my kids might wander off into the wilderness. So I'm glad that they're older and things as we've camped uh, in more recent years have been a little more relaxed. Yeah, and it gets uh, so much easier. You know, the best times we had is when it was raining. Uh, we'd be forced inside, and we'd sit and play board game, play Uno, something like that, just around that little kitchen table in the RV. 
while the rain was cascading down and, and we'd be nice and warm and cozy with the heater. <laughs> it was a lot nicer than tent camping, let me tell well, you. Well, and we tent camped, and so my memories of rain aren't quite so fond. They were dramatic and, and great stories, but not always uh, so warm and cozy. Yeah, man, Gene was so far beyond the tent camping, we had to get an RV. And I, I'm thankful yeah, that that's, she that's was kind of glamping, insistent. right? Yes. But the bottom line is it's so important to build those great memories with your children. These are precious and few days. I mean, they really are. They go by so fast. And you know, there's an old saying, especially for parents of younger kids, the days are long, but the years are short. And it's so true. And here at Focus on the Family, we want to come alongside all parents to say, we're here for you, to help you at any stage in your parenting journey. Every day, hundreds of people reach out to Focus on the Family for help by phone, mail, email. Many of those parents are like Jesse. I was married with little kids and feeling overwhelmed by life and just went on to a podcast, the general podcasting and search for parenting. And the first thing I found was focus on the family. And I gave it a, a whirl a couple times and I just, I found amazing truth and inspiration and help for the situation that I was in. It, it, God definitely used all of the people that came onto your show to speak truth into my life and to revive it. I love all the different ways that we can share this program, from our broadcast app to uh, podcasts and various websites, satellite radio even, uh, all the internet streaming, and of course, a couple thousand great radio stations that feature the broadcast uh, here in this country and thousands more uh, outside of the U.S. And if you're more of a visual type, I'm going to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can watch these uh, conversations. That's right, John. And hats off to you and the, the broadcast department for expanding our reach in all these newer forms of media. And let me take this opportunity to remind our friends, we need your financial support to get this program out to listeners, like John said, around the world. Uh, please make a generous donation today. And when you make a donation of any amount, we'll say thank you by sending you a copy of Intentional Parenting, written by Doug Fields and his wife, Kathy. And I know you're going to get a lot out of it. Yeah, the book jacket says intentional parenting means you've got more than good intentions, you've got a plan. And so get your copy of Intentional Parenting. It really is a great resource. It's got um, a free code to access 10 video sessions uh, plus a study guide. So uh, get a copy of that from us when you call 800, the letter A in the word family. That's 800-232-6459. Or you can donate online and request that book at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And when you're online with us, look for our free parenting assessment. Uh, it takes just five to ten minutes of your time, and it'll shine a light on what's going well uh, in your work as a parent. And as you journey ahead, it'll offer some tips on improvement points. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 
80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.